0: When one thinks of the term Renaissance man in conjunction with the world of investing, trading, and economics, there are really very few names that come swiftly to mind. Wall Street is simply not known for its sense of art or history, of philosophy, of literature, or of music. There are some from the past that come to mind, of course, as great philanthropists to the arts, but they were philanthropists simply to buy a place in history rather than a respecter of history and the arts. I have been fortunate, however, to have met a true Renaissance man, and you are fortunate enough to be about to read one of his books. When I think of a Renaissance man on Wall Street, I think instantly of my dear friend Dr. A. Gary Schilling. Gary is a gentleman who can, with the best of them, launch into a discussion of Shakespeare's tragedies, and can instantly recognize the composer of a piece of classical music, and perhaps even name the conductor and the orchestra playing the piece in question. He understands the lessons of history through the ages, and can discuss with alacrity and clarity the importance of the adjusted monetary base, as reported by the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, or, just as readily, the implications of a revision to monthly durable goods ordered. Gary is a true Renaissance man, and he's taught me much. I first became aware of Gary's economic forecasting abilities back in the early 1970s, when I was one of the young economists at Cotton Inc. in Raleigh, North Carolina. My duties were to forecast cotton supply and demand statistics as well as generate a view on the economy that we could send to the cotton producers of America, who were our clients. Looking about for economic wisdom, I came upon Gary's work. He was White Weld's chief economist, as I recall. He was the only economist on the street, at the time who was forecasting a severe recession. Everyone else was forecasting protracted economic growth. Gary was right. The recession of the early 1970s was the worst recession to that point in the post-World War II period. He earned my respect. Gary was bearish again regarding the U.S. economy in the early 1980s when his peers on the street remained steadfastly bullish— applying simple logic and historical precedents to the situation, Gary's view was again proven right. Others, sadly, were proven wrong. I followed Gary from afar for nearly a decade. Having chosen in the early 1980s to set up my own firm that would focus on writing a daily commentary on the global capital markets, I chose to screw my courage to the sticking point and called his office to request a meeting. To my great surprise and true delight, he said he'd be happy to meet with me. I remember to this day our meeting in a wonderful old building in Lower Manhattan, where he graciously spent an hour or two talking about the markets, the economy, and his interest in Shakespeare, music, and history. From that point on, I've been an even greater fan of the man and his work. Thereafter, I read, with delight and great expectations, his books on topics such as inflation and economics, as well as his monthly newsletter to clients around the world. Never to be disappointed. In all his work, Gary's wisdom is more than merely evident. His writings are cogent, rational, and, far more often than not, they are utterly spot-on. Two, they are often witty. Gary taught me the importance of technology shifts in matters few others could explain, For example, few today think about the Erie Canal, but in its time it was a huge shift for the better in the United States, opening up the western states to trade with the eastern seaboard in a manner previously unimagined. Gary's insights into why the wheat trade suddenly became an important part of the history of Buffalo, New York, which became perhaps the leading milling city in the then young United States, taught me why it was, through extension, important that Silicon Valley grew as it did in the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s. He also taught me the importance of good deflation and bad deflation, and of the benefits of rising production and falling prices of goods and services during the growth of agriculture in the nineteenth century, and how that could be extrapolated to technology today.